Thank you for tuning into the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. Grab your Bible, get settled, and let's walk through the Word of God together. Let us now reason together and listen to see what God is saying to us today. All right, what Paul understood was the more you understood grace, you understand the cross, we got it, death, burial, resurrection, you got all of that. But the more you appreciate the cross, that's what controls your behavior. It's not that we got to, we want to. So what what the law couldn't do, grace can. Because I appreciate it, because I didn't earn it and I don't deserve it. So when I even sin, I am quick to feel the weight of it because he paid for it for me. I'm not going to get condemned even when I sin. I might get chastised, but I will never be condemned, which means there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And therefore, the fact that I'm free, it governs my behavior because I want to show appreciation to the God who died for me. Somebody open that door for Jackie. Yeah. You know, I want to show appreciation for what God has done for me. So with the Galatians, Paul, uh, Paul is actually giving us an understanding of an experience that he had in chapter 2 and chapter 1 with the Judaizers who were trying to put the people back under what, 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 what they couldn't succeed at, what condemned them, and take away the liberty of the grace of God that was given to this Gentile church. And when we inter, intermingle law with grace, we always do damage and violence to the gospel of grace. Because when you do that, you take away the person's freedom. You take away the person's liberty to, to understand and appreciate. Because the law can only produce penalty. The law can only produce punishment. One of the things that we say from the penalty and the power of sin, but we also, but the, how does the penalty and power come? Through the law. So you're not under the law. You're under grace. Grace is a higher standard than law because the law doesn't require appreciation. The law requires strict obedience. And the wages of sin under the law is death. Well, that same law that condemns us is the same law they use to condemn Christ. And Christ took, Christ fulfilled the law. When you, see, when you say he fulfilled the law, think about this. He fulfilled all of it, including the penalty of it. Unlawfully put on him, which should have been put on us. So the law was used to condemn him, and he took the punishment of the law, so you won't have to. So today what we're going to study, again, I'm not in a rush, but we have to really hone in on this to appreciate. I'm trying to get you past understanding and get you to appreciation. Anybody can understand what I'm saying, but do you appreciate what I'm saying enough that you, that you live out your life in faith? So let's open up our Bibles, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And the good thing about it is you guys get the Bible study tonight. They don't get Bible study. They need to just listen like everybody else. Okay. I'm going to start. Frida, we're going to start. What did I say? 19 or 18? You said 19. Okay. 
I'm going to start at 18, then I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read first. For uh, 2.18, Galatians 2.18, I'm sorry. Oop. I didn't, I don't know. Well, I ain't going to worry about it. For if I rebuild what I, what, tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Okay. So what Paul is saying at this point in the narrative of, of Ham at the kosher table, <laughs> what Paul is telling us is that if he rebuilds what has been torn down or what he's dead to, he becomes a transgressor. Okay. If, if I go back to being under the law, then I am, I am judged by what? The law. So if I go rebuild what I've been delivered from, it's like a dog returning to his vomit. You're turning back to condemnation, penalty, all of that, and away from the hope and joy of your freedom. But, we, but, but churches mingle like a mulligan stew, this law grace thing. And it doesn't do damage to the law. It does damage to the grace. Because when am I living by grace and what part am I living by law? Does it take me two cups or ten cups or no cups? Did God do it or did he do I have to do something? What had what what you know what is it? Did God save me or do I need to do something to help save me through what he does? And these are leg these are legitimate questions that confuse us in church. People don't want to hear that. Pastors don't want me to tell you that because it messes with them because most of the time when they use law, there's also comes the checkbook. If you do this, they take you back. It was true. The Abraham, the Mosaic covenant was like this. If you do this, I will bless you. But if you do that, I will curse you. But you got to do all of this to be blessed by me. Not one or two or three things. You got to do all of them. Well, they couldn't do all of them. And God knew they couldn't do all of them. And they should have realized they couldn't do all of them. And always fail to God. What do you always say? If my people who are called by my name do what? Humble themselves. Humble themselves and what? Turn. When a wicked ways, I will what? Heal the land. They would never turn. The law was supposed to make them turn. From their wicked ways. And they were supposed to turn to God and say, God, I can't. Unless you do it, I can't. But they never did. They kept trying. And what they did is inflicted on everybody else around them. Because the Israelites were supposed to be our guide to God. They were supposed to be our, the ultimate example chosen by God for us to have all the nations to be blessed by them. Okay? But they turned out to be just like the nations would curse them. And then they became subjective to the nations that took over them. And God had to keep his promise so he couldn't annihilate them. So he always kept a remnant going. He always kept a remnant going. And then he intermingled those who believed with some Gentile believers. Rahab, Cornelius, uh, uh, Ruth. All these were Gentiles. Moabitess. She was a, in the line of Jesus as a Moabitess. And they were never opposed to uh, have the Moabites part of, the, part of their, their genealogy. But you can't stop God and his purpose. And the Abrahamic covenant has nothing to do with the Mosaic covenant. He said Moses came under the law. Jesus Christ came under grace and truth. The Abrahamic covenant was a covenant of faith. Not a covenant of law. 
Abraham was made righteous because of the experience of obeying God and walking by faith. We are children of Abraham when we walk by faith. So we jump over the law and continue in faith. So Abraham has children that were under the law and he has children that were under faith. We're not children under the law. We're not Israelites. We're children under faith. And if you think God just talked to Israelites, you know that not to be true because he talked to Cornelius and Cornelius was a, a Roman. But God will talk to those who diligently seek him, whether you are a Jew or not. OK, so we have to get to the point where we uh, understand and appreciate that God created a way through them and their failure for us. And he's not done with them because he's made a promise to them. But now the mantle of showing Christ is in us. And the book is given us is given to us to look at the Old Testament so we won't make their mistakes. But, you know, just because you know better don't mean you're going to do better. Because when we believe we fail at grace, we run the law and law is about controlling people. All right, free. Just pick up. Just read verse 19. Coming from the NASB, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. So through the law, through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. Now, now I want you to understand. You have the law over here. He said, I died to the law. When did he die to the law? When Christ died to the law, because we died with him. We died with him. We're buried with him and we raised with him. So when God got punished by the law, that was our punishment because we know that he took our punishment. So when he died, we died. Our death is vicarious. His death was real. So if he's experienced a real death and we're experiencing vicarious death, we have died along with him. Not in the natural, but in the spiritual of the punishment of the law, he took it. So he took that punishment that we did and we, because we were believed, we died to it too. So you can claim you were dead. Oh, what did it say? You were dead in your sins and trespasses? Ephesians. You were once dead. Dead to who? Dead to God and condemned by the law. Because without the law, there is no transgression. And the law came because of transgression. This is some beautiful, awesome stuff. And I know it's, again, it's taken me 13 years to get this. Okay? But the seed had to be planted. That's why I tell people, don't get frustrated with yourself. A lot of, people, a lot of my students get frustrated. It ain't about knowing what I know. It's about taking the time to study the word of God so God can show you what I've taught you. And then God gets the glory because I'm just an instrument. I'm just a spoon. I'm not the chef. Okay? He the chef. Okay? Just like Carolyn gave me these, this nice stuff. She's the gardener. I'm an eater. You know what I'm saying? I got to get, you know, she get the glory. She sweated. And I mean, but think about that. That's how this works. Carolyn, uh, just think about this. This is so beautiful. I just, Lord, just showed me this. Carolyn walked through that door and graced me with her labor. I wanted it and I, I'm going to enjoy it. 
I don't care how many times she fell out on that ground and with the, she fell out because it was hot. She got muddy. Her clothes got torn. I ain't got nothing to do with all that. She broke a fingernail, sweated out her hair. I, what I got to do with that? Walk to the house. Boy, it's hot out there. What I got? All I know is I got some groceries. So the grace that she's given me costed her something. That's what I'm saying. Just like I told you guys Sunday, whatever grace costs somebody something to give it to you. When your parents give you a gift, you have to trust that that the gift is what you want. And you don't really understand the cost. A lot of times what it costs to get you that gift. You so busy wanting to give, you don't know that they had to take out a payday loan or they had to sell something or they had to hawk someone or they had to work extra hours. When you were sitting there with your attitude because they didn't show up at your game, you didn't know they was working extra hours so they can get you a bicycle. And then when it comes, you all like, oh, but you don't forget what they had to sacrifice for that. But see, this is what happens. They're glad to do it. They're glad to do it because they love you. So when you when so we died, okay? Verse 20. Go ahead. Just verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So we died with him, and our our means of death is crucifixion. We are crucified with him. And because we're crucified with him, we also raised with him, and we are alive. We are alive with Christ Jesus. We are alive in him. We're alive through him. But we're crucified through him also. You don't crucify yourself. You're crucified in Christ. You can't crucify yourself. So when somebody asks you, do you live a crucified life? You should say, no, I live a victorious life because I'm on the other side of the cross. Because if you've been crucified with him, that was 2,000 years ago. He ain't crucified today. He's sitting on the right hand side of God having all power today. So you ain't got to see, you ain't can see this is a thing. A lot of people want to take you back to the crucifixion. But he's risen. He's risen. What could you make up to show about the that's why sometimes the cross, we focus on the cross so much that it was the means by which we were saved, but it's not our savior. It was the avenue. The cross is like the road sign. Come this way. But then we're on the other side of the cross. So we don't crucify ourselves. We, we never could crucify ourselves. We had to be crucified with him. Okay? We had to be crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It is not no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Symbiotic, reciprocal uh, uh, relationship. I am Christ, I'm in Christ, Christ in me. I'm in Christ, Christ in me. So if I am in the crucifixion, I'm also in the resurrection. And because his blood redeemed me, he owns me. Amen. Okay? Amen. Because he sacrificed himself for me. So this grace brings about, this level of grace brings about an ownership and a possession that he has of all believers. Amen. So if you say you belong to Christ, he owns you. Not like a tyrant, but like a loving father. And we come become a slave to what he wants because he loves us. This is not a tyrant who's telling us what to do. This is one who was an example for us of what to do. 
and he shed his blood. No greater love than this. John 15, 13, I believe. No greater love than this than one man should give his life for his friends. He gave his life. He said, no longer do I call you service, but I call you friends because you know where I'm going and what I'm doing. So when you ask questions like, I don't know what God wants me to do. Yes, you do. Or you should. You read this Bible, he tell you. It's not as complicated as you think. You're looking for the flash in the pan thing most of the time. Look for the mundane thing of how you actually live out your day-to-day -day life. And you can live out your day-to-day -day life and glorify God without a flash in the pan moment. It's your consistency in your day-to-day -day character that determines if you're walking by the Spirit. Not if you're floating around the church on cloud 20. Okay, that is not, that is not walking by the Spirit. That could be walking by another Spirit, but that ain't walking by the Spirit. Okay? God talk about fruit. He said fruit that abides, right? And, and one of the groups I'm taking through John again, I'm going, this is about the seventh time I'm going through John. I'm getting, it's getting better and better every time I go through it. And he talk about the fruit that abides. He said, if, if I abide in you and you abide in me, we'll produce much fruit. Much fruit. And you have to abide in my word. So, so the, you have to abide in his word to produce the fruit. And if you abide in his word, then you obey his word. Then he says, the way you love me by obeying my word. So loving him through his word is a commandment that he gives us so that it'll keep us attached to the true vine. At the top of that chapter, it says, I'm the true vine. And we're the branches and the branches can't do nothing without the true vine. So I can't do anything. So what Paul is saying, that life that I have attached to this true vine, I can't do anything unless I'm attached to him. And because he died. I died, and because he is raised, I am raised, and now my life is in him, and his life is in me. Okay? Next verse. Um, the end of 19. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So now we have the, how we live. We don't live by flesh. We don't live by law. We, we've dead to law. We're alive in Christ. And we live our, our life by faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when you live under the law and under the flesh and under the rules and under the regulations, you're not living by faith. But it doesn't mean that the rules and regulations are good or bad. They're not bad. They're good if they're given by God. But God says, I want you to live because you love me, not because you have to. I want you to appreciate what I've done for you. So it's easy to do stuff under appreciation. That's why we call it love. Husbands and wives, we serve each other because we love each other. We appreciate each other. Girlfriend, boyfriend might not, might not, might not be so well. Because we feel like we got to. We learn to. But when you love somebody, it comes easy, actually. It comes easy to serve when you love somebody. Okay? So he said that we don't live, we look, we, uh, he loved me and he gave himself for me. That came first. He loved us first. He said, I didn't choose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And he knew you before the foundation of the earth and him. And he loved us so much, <coughs> excuse me, that he's going to sacrifice himself for us. Those who didn't love him, those who hated him, those who didn't understand but would understand through his sacrifice. Some people can't see God until they understand the sacrifice. That's why we give them the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I was talking to one of the students the other day, and they were in a certain situation, 
and this person is really going to be a great winner Christ for Christ because they already have influence in the natural world. And they were in a situation where they were at a party this weekend, and they were talking to a bunch of young ladies, and the ladies were talking lady talk, talking about their problems, talking about their kids, talking about their guys, and they were all talking about they suffering, okay? So she listened attentively because she's that kind of a good listener. And she said, Pastor, what I did was I, I saw the spirits on them, and you know I, you know, I listened to that. I'm like, okay, well. She saw these spirits of, 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 of stuff on them, and this one lady said that she hearing voices that tell her to do bad things, and I said, okay. So then, then, I, then she said, I prayed for them. And I said, oh, okay. I said, what did you pray? She said, I prayed that they may believe. And I said, oh, okay. I said, but you missed something. I said, let me ask you something. I say, if God puts you in the position to pray for them and they're unbelievers and you know it, why wouldn't God put you in the position to give them the gospel so they can't believe? You did the end thing before you did the beginning thing. You left that up to somebody else, but God don't put you there just to pray for them to believe. He puts you there to give them the gospel. But see, the gospel is hard because the first thing you got to do before you go into the salvation, before you go into the raising, you got to get them to admit that they sinner so they can die. And that's the part we don't like. We'd rather pray for you and, and pat you in the back and tell you how much God going to bless you. But we'll never tell you that you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell. See, all that had to be done, I said, and that takes courage and an and, and ability to be able to present the gospel. And that comes with it, practicing time. I say, what you should have done was run right out to your car. And I had you circle certain scriptures in John and came back in. Now, you didn't listen to them. Now, they need to listen to you. And they would have listened to you because all of them wanted to talk to you. And you should have gave them the gospel. Then put your hands on them and prayed for them. I say, because the problem with the person that got the voices is, is demonic. So they need to be saved. Everything wrong with you. And I'm telling y'all this. This is so simple. Everything that's wrong in your life, it, the root is in sin. The root is in sin. You might not want to admit it. You ain't might want to face it, but that ain't my problem. That's what God say. If we all have sinned and fall short of the glory, that means all our problems have to be in sin. Unrepentive, unrecognized, won't admit to it, sin. And that's the problem. We don't want to admit that we as dirty as we are. But Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. And God used him to start churches because he was willing. Because he saw what he was up against. You got to make hell real. Let the scripture tell you what hell's about and ask them, do they want to go there? But they say, we all fall short of the glory of God, but God gave us a way out through his son, Jesus Christ. And then you let the Holy Spirit teach you how to tell you what to say and bring over to your remembrance how to present the gospel to the people. And you'll be surprised. Even if she saved one person, what the Bible say? All heaven rejoice when one person saved. There are some people might be offended by what she said, but I told her this, you planted the right seed and God said his word is not going to come back void. It may be three years from now, ten minutes from now, two weeks from now. That seed going to take hold if they still seeking God. And they're going to get saved by what you did by preaching the gospel. Yeah, I'm glad you loved them. I'm glad you rubbed their belly. I'm glad you rubbed their back and cried with them. That's, that's, oh, that's fantastic. But you were put there to give them the gospel. So you gave them hope of somebody else to come along. But what if nobody else gonna come along? What if that meeting was their last chance at receiving the gospel and the next day they was going to die? 
You never think about that because you always think you got tomorrow. But watch the Bible say today is the day for salvation. It's before you right now, not tomorrow. So as we go out before people, we have to talk, think like Paul. We are alive in Christ. He's alive to us. Go to the next verse. Verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. So what he's saying is, I ain't going to lose my power <laughs> chasing after the law because I'm not going to nullify the power of grace. But if you want to, you can go back to law, but you nullify the power of grace. Because if the power of grace, could, law could save me, then Christ died in vain. He, the law was already here. If the law was meant to save me, it was already here. And trust me, if God knew of another way to save you that didn't include his son dying for you, don't you think he's got enough to let us do that versus what his son had to die for us? But from the time of Adam, God put a band-aid on, on transgression by first of all covering Adam and Eve with the skin of an animal which means he had to kill and there was bloodshed it was already predicted what we were going to end up doing what was needed but the blood in the Old Testament you get to the point where the rituals the shadows the, all the rituals that's in the Old Testament were a shadow of what was needed in Jesus Christ to fulfill us having a savior and the savior still had to die because the slain lamb had to be blemishless blameless bulls and goats don't have a soul bulls and goats don't have a conscience they go where you go but it takes a man to be obedient to God to be willing to second he was truly man and truly God and the man God gave up his life for us that we don't have to live under law no more so if, 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 if I give up the power of grace and fall back under law, I nullify the power. That means I weaken what is given to me to conquer and to, and to be victorious. What you say, well, it's even we got this, this thing where we, we think we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to tell people the truth and love and we believe, oh, that law, you put, no, 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 no. You, it ain't that you don't point out the wrong. But you point out the wrong and get it right. You don't spend too much time worried about the wrong. But you spend just as much time, if not more time, telling them, you love God so much, don't you want to do right? I can't. We know you can't. You got to surrender to Christ in you. <laughs> just like you can't crucify yourself, you can't do right by yourself. You have to be guided by the surrendering of the Holy Spirit. And that's the act of the will. You have, the, you, you have a will that God says you have to surrender to me. That's that water goes on within you every day. Do I surrender to the will of the Holy Spirit and what I know in the word? Or do I continue to walk the way I want to walk, the way I want to? Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we just do what we want to do because we just like the Jews. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And then what happens is we do what's right in our own eyes. Sometimes there's sometimes a penalty to pay. Sometimes we get away with it and God lets us see. Um, you didn't get away with it for real. But a lot of times what I find out when I go back to doing what I know to be wrong, there's a bigger price to pay that I can't see coming. And that's what the devil gets you to do. The devil gives you instantaneous gratification, and then the, the price will come later. That's why we don't worry about signs, wonders, and miracles, because signs, wonders, and miracles for the unbeliever. Okay? That's what the Bible say. And the devil can bring you false signs, wonders, and miracles, and a false sign and wonder and miracle looks just like 
the real thing. But the, by the time you realize that it's false, it's too late. Okay? It's too late. So let's go to chapter 3. And we're just going to do a couple of verses in chapter 3. I think we're just going to do, we're going to do, do verse 1. You foolish Galatians, mm -hmm. who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Is that verse 1? Yes. So who has stolen your joy? Who has come and brought law to you that nullified the grace to you? That word bewitched is like noose and basically saying, who done made you stupid? That you done nullified the grace that God has given you. You have done what I just said that we should that, should, that Christ died in vain. What you've done is who be wish you to go back to something that you were really never a part of and believing that you're going to be saved and they couldn't be saved by it. The yoke of the bondage of the law that the Judaizers were trying to put on them and obviously they fell for it. Some of them fell for it. And Paul is saying, oh foolish Galatians, did I not portray, paint a picture that portray, well, they wasn't there, but, but what he's saying is, I demonstrated in words and painted a picture of Christ and him crucified on your behalf and gave you the gospel, which is the power under God under salvation. And you believed upon it by what? By faith. You believed in it by faith. Why? What? What? What is so attractive about being circumcised that you actually want to go back and mutilate your body? But but see what the problem is, we're not being asked to mutilate our body, but we're being asked to, to, to bring the law back into our lives, and it and, it's, and it, it just it just cuts off our power. The minute you bring law back into your life as a saint of God, as a grace saved person, you nullify the power of God in your life. You still saved. See, I ain't say you. But you, but you nullify the sanctification process and the power of the sanctification that's going on in you. Now it's a battle because not only he got to fight you, he got he to convince you that you don't need to follow the law. Okay? He put Christ before them. They understood. Verse 2. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So how did you receive it? By the works of the law or the hearing by faith? Faith come by hearing, hearing come by the word of God. How can the people hear lest this preacher be sent and give the gospel to the people? So how did they get it? They're not Jews, so they were not under the law. So how did they become to Christ? Through the painting of Christ and him crucified and by faith because they weren't there. So Paul is asking, how did you receive it? So that's the question we have to ask ourselves. When we start drifting back into law, how did you receive this grace? How did you receive this salvation? Was it by faith or was it by ritual? Was it by faith? Was it by denomination? Was it by faith? Was it by following some apostle, some preacher, some liar? How did you receive it? By the grace of God. Through faith in what he did on Calvary. Believing that what he said he accomplished uh, as far as regards to our sin, it's done. It's finished. There's no more sin work to be done. He, his blood redeemed us. 
And if you go back to law, you saying his blood didn't work. That's what I mean by doing violence to the gospel. When you go back to law, you just said your blood don't even work. I need to do. I need to do something. Now you've made yourself godlike. You take it on the role of God. Okay. Go to verse two. Three. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So are you so dumb that you begun by the spirit in faith that you will be protected by work? Perfected by work. Protected by work. Raised up by work. Edified by work. Do the works that we do edify us or do the works that we do is because we're edified? We go to the nursing home because we're blessed. We don't go to the nursing home to get blessed. We are a blessing. We're a walking blessing. We're a walking miracle. And we want to show the power of God inside of us to them. But we don't do it so God can pour into us. We do it because God has already completed us in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2 and 9 and 10. Y'all need to get that in your spirit. That you complete. The fullness of the Godhead dwelled in him. And that you are complete in him. It's only in him. When you step out of him, you go back to being incomplete. And that's when you fall into law. And that's when you fall prey to these pastors and these liars and these apostles and all these other people. Because they always going to have you doing something. In America, it always ends up with your pocketbook. It always, it may take a minute, but eventually they're going to get there. And tell you, you know what? I know what the problem is. I know why you're not being, you're not getting the results. Well, I did everything you told me to do. You already fell out of grace when you did that. Okay. I know you know one thing you need to do? You need to plant that what? Seed. <laughs> then they'll go read Malachi 3 to you. God wanna open the heavens and pour out a blessing that you can't handle. Anybody in you shaking and, and quivering and you like, where where do I sign and how much do I need to write? And then they tell you, thank you very much for this blessing, you'll get yours in the mail. <laughs> and next year's refund will come before you get blessed. But people fall for them people. Every day. They got, you have more people listening to them people than you listen to us. But the Bible tells us that. That people will not adhere to sound doctrine. They will raise up these teachers that they want to hear. Tell them what they want. to Tell them what they want. Because if, if it's something that I have to practice. Then I think I can do it. Just tell me what to do. But when you say it's already done. And he done it. And I have to figure out this relationship between me and what he done. That's a little bit harder because I got to humble myself to do that. Okay. Go to uh, Romans 6 and 4. We almost done. Romans 6 and 4. Read that for you. 6, 4, and 5. Romans 6, 4, coming from the NASB. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So we walk in what? Newness of life. We will also what? Bear with him in the baptism unto what? Death. Y'all going to read what you just read again. Read that real slow. Therefore. Therefore. We have been buried with him. We have been buried with him. Through baptism into death. Through baptism into death. So we are baptized into death. Go ahead. So that as Christ was raised. So that as he was raised. 
From the dead. From the dead. Through the glory. Through the glory. Of the Father. Of the Father. So that we too. We too. Equal. We too. Might walk in newness of life. You can't walk in life unless you get raised again and born again. You can't get the newness of life without the new birth. You can't become the new creature without being, being baptized into his death. Our, we have a symbiotic relationship, a vicarious relationship to his death. We were baptized into his death. Baptism means immersed into, put into. We were put into his death that mean we might have the newness of life. You can't get the, the life without the death. You can't get the death without the law. You can't get the law without God giving to us and pointing out our transgressions. So the law, when put against us, tells us that we are sinners and we need a savior. That's the gospel. Anything else, anything else, you, you, you short-circuiting it. Because you're scared. I get it. I don't want to tell people they're sinners. <laughs> you think I'm comfortable with that? No. But I know that I got to get them there. Because then if they don't go there, then you'll come to me and say stuff like this. Oh, they knew God. Hmm? How you know they know God? Because they said so. Is that how this works? That means we're wasting our time coming to church and studying his word. Because I don't see no where it says that they get to say I know God and because they said so. Where's their fruit? Where's the fruit? But see, we we want to we want to, under the kindness of our heart, want to make our loved ones who are dying on our dead go to heaven because we want them to go there. And that ain't how this works. The question has to be to the living. Since they you they was your loved one and your friend and your confidant, your buddy, your pal, your wife, your son, your daughter, your husband, did you give them the gospel? And if you didn't, why do you think somebody else did? Especially when they only say, I know God. Just think about that. Think about that. All right. Go to uh, Romans 4. 418. Read that. And we're going to wrap it up. 418 and 419. 418. In hope against hope. We believe so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay. So what Paul is getting ready to do from this point forward, after we get through the questions that he gives, he gives six questions in chapter three. He's going to use the experience of Abraham to show that we walk by faith and not by sight. He's going to use the obedience of Abraham to say he was saved and made righteous by his obedience and faith in God. Just like we, we are buried and raised. We have to believe that by faith. We wouldn't, we didn't get on the ground. We wasn't in the tomb, but we have to believe that by faith. And God says, if you believe that by faith, you are with me and I'm in you. So you just as I was buried 2000 years ago, you was buried then 2000 years ago. Just while I, when I was raised 2000 years ago, you were raised with me 2,000 years. And guess what? You're seated in heavenly places with me. You ain't there yet. But I always see you be there. I already see that you're going to be there. Okay? That's the prophetic. So what all I did was go into to, 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 to Romans 
And then you go in Genesis and look at the story too of how Abraham was counted as righteousness and what that Paul is going to use the account of Abraham in the next chapters all the way to four something and tell us the Abraham experience. Now watch this and I'm going to say this and then we're going to end. You never weigh truth by your experience. You don't have the right to put a microscope on truth. Truth microscopes your experience. And what I mean by that is if my experience lines up with the truth because the truth is judging my experience, then it is truth. But I can't, I don't have an experience and then try to shove truth into it. Okay? Truth is a microscope, our experiences. And we do have experiences with God. Everybody should have had, hopefully had some experience with God. And you weigh it against the scriptures, which is the truth. Does my experience match what God said in principle, indeed, somewhere? Or am I trying to fit my truth, which is no truth at all, into the truth? Like I talked to y'all the other day. You got a truth, you got the truth. And a truth is not a truth. A truth is just an opinion. So when you see these gurus that y'all listen to on TV, Oprah and all them talking about everybody got an a truth, she's a liar. Everybody got an opinion. There's only one the truth. And truth stands on its own. You don't need to be proved. If you a liar, that's not a truth. That's the truth. When Jesus said, fornicators, adulterers, liars, and thieves will not enter into the kingdom of heaven, I don't care how nice they are. That's the truth. That's the truth. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care how many churches they form. They going to hell. They don't have to. But they would... Romans 1, they exchanged the truth of God and hid it in what? Their unrighteousness. They know the truth, but they hide it in their unrighteousness. And they want to take as many people with them as they can. Just because there's more than them than there's us just talking loud don't mean that they got the truth. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people. I thank you for letting us uncover and unpack this great truth of yours that we were saved by grace through faith which is not of our own but a free gift from God gift from God to us but your son worked and died for us Lord thank God that you allowed us and graced us enough and let us be buried with you that we may reign with you and be raised with you to the glory of God Lord we thank you today that we can decide today to follow you and not follow any, anyone else Lord we hear your voice and they're the stranger we will not follow Lord so I just thank you for the ear to hear and the heart to understand and a mind that stayed on you Lord I thank you I thank you I thank you Lord for all the troubles that I go through, Lord, that did you in the midst with me, Lord. I thank you for the victories that you helped me win, Lord. I thank you for the troubles that you've seen me through, Father. And I thank you for the church that I'm in right now, Father God. You knew long ago that this day would come, Lord. And I just thank you for all those who are part of walking truth, oh, Father God, near and far, and all those brothers and sisters who truly call on the name of Jesus. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I lift up the waiter's husband. Lord, I ask that you bless him and keep him and strengthen him and cure him. Lord, I ask for the strength of the Delk family and Sister Joyce that they may endure the time of their bereavement as they bury one of their own, oh, Father God. And Lord, if there's anything that we could do, Lord, let it be known and let us do it. Lord, I ask that you uh, look after Sister Venus, oh Lord, that she's having surgery today. Matter of fact, it's going on right now. Lord, guide the hands of the surgeons that they may do what they need to do, oh Father God. 
and bless everybody who's going through something that's in this body of Christ, Lord. If I forgot somebody, Lord, that called charge it up to my head and not my heart. Lord, I want to give them what they needed. Sister Nancy, thank you. Sister Nancy and Nancy's mom who have the virus, Lord, let them not be symptomatic to the point where any of them have to go to the hospital, Father God. We're lifting them up in the name of Jesus, Lord. I want to lift up my sister-in-law. She asked to be put on the prayer list. Her name is Felicia. Lord, we asked her. She asked for her mental health to be taken care of by the God. And we know he's a mind regulator. Amen. So I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you mind regulate her and do what needs to be done. I pray for my nephew, Chris, oh, Father God, whose his allergies are subsiding. Lord, I pray for my new grandbaby that's on the way, oh, Father God. I pray that he or she is healthy, Lord, and that my daughter just has a very easy pregnancy, oh, Father God. So I thank you, God, that you allow me to even hear that I'm going to be a grandparent, oh, Father God. And Lord, if you grant me something, let me be here long afterwards so I can help raise this child in the ammunition of the Lord. I didn't do mine, but I'm going to do this one, oh, Father God, if you allow me to. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you see you to give of good gifts. And you said that your word will come back void. And there's no greater gift that you could give me than let me try to raise one of my own blood into the name of Jesus, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Thank you. Okay. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you do not have a place of worship, please consider Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church your home. We are a safe place to worship, supporting the edification of the body with all of its gifts. Sound biblical teaching is at the center of our worship as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Sharing the fruit of the Spirit and moving forward in faith through serving our community is our privilege and pleasure. Please feel free to contact the ministry at 636-344-0539 or email us at witminyahoo.com. Thank you for your consideration, be blessed, encouraged, and walk in the truth of the Lord. Thank you for tuning into the Walk in Truth Radio Network broadcast. Grab your Bible, get settled, and let's walk through the Word of God together. Let us now reason together and listen to see what God is saying to us today. All right, what Paul understood was, the more you understood grace, you understand the cross, we got it, death, burial, resurrection, you got all of that. But the more you appreciate the cross, that's what controls your behavior. It's not that we got to, we want to. So what, what the law couldn't do, grace can. Because I appreciate it, because I didn't earn it and I don't deserve it. So when I even sin, I am quick to feel the weight of it because he paid for it for me. I'm not going to get condemned even when I sin. I might get chastised, but I will never be condemned, which means there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And therefore, the fact that I'm free, it governs my behavior because I want to show appreciation to the God who died for me. Somebody open that door for Jackie. Yeah. You know, I want to show appreciation for what God has done for me. So with the Galatians, Paul, uh, Paul is actually giving us an understanding of an experience 
that he had in chapter 2 and chapter 1 with the Judaizers who were trying to put the people back under what, 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 what they couldn't succeed at, what condemned them, and take away the liberty of the grace of God that was given to this Gentile church. And when we inter, intermingle law with grace, we always do damage and violence to the gospel of grace. Because when you do that, you take away the person's freedom. You take away the person's liberty to, to understand and appreciate. Because the law can only produce penalty. The law can only produce punishment. One of the things that we say from the penalty and the power of sin, but we also, but the, how does the penalty and power come? Through the law. So you're not under the law. You're under grace. Grace is a higher standard than law because the law doesn't require appreciation. The law requires strict obedience. And the wages of sin under the law is death. Well, that same law that condemns us is the same law they use to condemn Christ. And Christ took, Christ fulfilled the law. When you, see, when you say he fulfilled the law, think about this. He fulfilled all of it, including the penalty of it. Unlawfully put on him, which should have been put on us. So the law was used to condemn him and he took the punishment of the law so you won't have to. So today what we're going to study, again, I'm not in a rush, but we have to really hone in on this to appreciate. I'm trying to get you past understanding and get you to appreciation. Anybody can understand what I'm saying, but do you appreciate what I'm saying enough that you, that you live out your life in faith? So let's open up our Bibles, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And the good thing about it is you guys get the Bible study tonight. They don't get Bible study. They need to just listen like everybody else. Okay. I'm going to start. Frida, we're going to start. What did I say, 19 or 18? Okay. I'm going to start at 18. Then I'm gonna, I'll, I'll read first. For uh, 2.18, Galatians 2.18, I'm sorry. Oop. I didn't, I, oh, well, I ain't gonna worry about it. For if I rebuild what I, what, tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Okay. So what Paul is saying at this point in the narrative of, of Ham at the kosher table, <laughs> what Paul is telling us is that if he rebuilds what has been torn down or what he's dead to, he becomes a transgressor. Okay. If, if I go back to being under the law, then I am, I am judged by what? The law. So if I go rebuild what I've been delivered from, it's like a dog returning to his vomit. You're turning back to condemnation, penalty, all of that, and away from the hope and joy of your freedom. But, with, but, but churches mingle like a mulligan stew. This law grace thing. And it doesn't do damage to the law. It does damage to the grace. Because when am I living by grace and what part am I living by law? Does it take me two cups or ten cups or no cups? Did God do it or did he do I have to do something? What ha, what what you know, what is it? Did God save me or do I need to do something to help save me through what he does? 
These are leg these are legitimate questions that confuse us in church. People don't want to hear that. Pastors don't want me to tell you that because it messes with them because most of the time when they use law, there's also comes the checkbook. If you do this, they take you back. It was true. The Abraham, the Mosaic covenant was like this. If you do this, I will bless you. But if you do that, I will curse you. But you got to do all of this to be blessed by me. Not one or two or three things. You got to do all of them. Well, they couldn't do all of them. And God knew they couldn't do all of them. And they should have realized they couldn't do all of them. And always fail to God. What do you always say? If my people who are called by my name do what? Humble themselves and what? Turn. When they wicked ways, I will what? Heal the land. They would never turn. The law was supposed to make them turn. From their wicked ways. And they were supposed to turn to God and say, God, I can't. Unless you do it, I can't. But they never did. They kept trying. And what they did is inflicted on everybody else around them. Because the Israelites were supposed to be our guide to God. They were supposed to be our, the ultimate example. Chosen by God for us to have all the nations to be blessed by them. Okay. But they turned out to be just like the nations would curse them. And then they became subjective to the nations that took over them. And God had to keep his promise so he couldn't annihilate them. So he always kept a remnant going. He always kept a remnant going. And then he intermingled those who believe with some Gentile believers. Rahab, Cornelius, uh, uh, Ruth. All these were Gentiles. Moabitess. She was a, in the line of Jesus as a Moabitess. And they were never opposed to uh, have the Moabites part of, the, part of their, their genealogy. But you can't stop God and his purpose. And the Abrahamic covenant has nothing to do with the Mosaic covenant. He said Moses came under the law. Jesus Christ came under grace and truth. The Abrahamic covenant was a covenant of faith. Not a covenant of law. Abraham was made righteous because of the experience of obeying God and walking by faith. We are children of Abraham when we walk by faith. So we jump over the law and continue in faith. So Abraham has children that were under the law and he has children that were under faith. We're not children under the law. We're not Israelites. We're children under faith. And if you think God just talked to Israelites, you know that not to be true because he talked to Cornelius and Cornelius was a, a Roman. But God would talk to those who diligently seek him. Whether you are a Jew or not. Okay, so we have to get to the point where we uh, understand and appreciate that God created a way through them and their failure for us. And he's not done with them because he's made a promise to them. But now the mantle of showing Christ is in us. And the book is given us is given to us to look at the Old Testament so we won't make their mistakes. But, you know, just because you know better don't mean you're going to do better. Because when we believe we fail at grace, we run the law. And law is about controlling people. All right, Frida, pick up, just read verse 19. Coming from the NASB. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. So, through the law, through the law. 
I died to the law that I might live to God. Now, now I want you to understand. You have the law over here. He said, I died to the law. When did he die to the law? When Christ died to the law. Because we died with him. We died with him. We are buried with him. And we raised with him. So when God got punished by the law, that was our punishment because we know that he took our punishment. So when he died, we died. Our death is vicarious. His death was real. So if he's experienced a real death and we're experiencing vicarious death, we have died along with him. Not in the natural, but in the spiritual of the punishment of the law, he took it. So he took that punishment that we did and we, because we were believed, we died to it too. So you can claim you were dead. Oh, what did it say? You were dead in your sins and trespasses? Ephesians. You were once dead. Dead to who? Dead to God and condemned by the law. Because without the law, there is no transgression. And the law came because of transgression. This is some beautiful, awesome stuff. And I know it's, again, it's taken me 13 years to get this. Okay? But the seed had to be planted. That's why I tell people, don't get frustrated with yourself. A lot of, people, a lot of my students get frustrated. It ain't about knowing what I know. It's about taking the time to study the word of God so God can show you what I've taught you. And then God gets the glory because I'm just an instrument. I'm just a spoon. I'm not the chef. Okay? He the chef. Okay? Just like Carolyn gave me these, this nice stuff. She's the gardener. I'm an eater. You know what I'm saying? I got to get, you know, she get the glory. She sweated. And I mean, but think about that. That's how this works. Carolyn, just think about this. This is so beautiful. I just, Lord, just showed me this. Carolyn walked through that door and graced me with her labor. I wanted it, and I, I'm going to enjoy it. I don't care how many times she fell out on that ground. And with the, she fell out because it was hot. She got muddy. Her clothes got torn. I ain't got nothing to do with all that. She broke a fingernail, sweated out her hair. I, what I got to do with that? Walk to the house. Boy, it's hot out there. What I got? All I know is I got some groceries. So the grace that she's given me costed her something. That's what I'm saying. Just like I told you guys Sunday, whatever grace costs somebody something to give it to you. When your parents give you a gift, you have to trust that that the gift is what you want. And you don't really understand the cost a lot of times what it costs to get you that gift. You so busy wanting the gift, you don't know that they had to take out a payday loan or they had to sell something or they had to hock someone or had to work extra hours. When you were sitting there with your attitude because they didn't show up at your game, you didn't know they was working extra hours so they can get you a bicycle. And then when it come, you all like, oh, but you don't forget what they had to sacrifice for that. But see, this is what happens. They're glad to do it. They're glad to do it because they love you. So when you when so we died, okay, verse 20, go ahead. Just verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So we died with him, and our our means of death is crucifixion. We are crucified with him. 
And because we're crucified with him, we also raised with him and we are alive. We are alive with Christ Jesus. We are alive in him. We're alive through him, but we're crucified through him also. You don't crucify yourself. You're crucified in Christ. You can't crucify yourself. So when somebody asks you, do you live a crucified life? You should say, no, I live a victorious life because I'm on the other side of the cross. Because if you've been crucified with him, that was 2,000 years ago. He ain't crucified today. He's sitting on the right-hand side of God having all power today. So you ain't got to see, you ain't can see, this is a thing. A lot of people want to take you back to the crucifixion. But he's risen. He's risen. What could you make up to show about the... That's why sometimes the cross, we focus on the cross so much that it was the means by which we were saved, but it's not our savior. It was the avenue. The cross is like the road sign. Come this way. But then we're on the other side of the cross. So we don't crucify ourselves. We, we never could crucify ourselves. We had to be crucified with him. Okay? We had to be crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It is not no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Symbiotic, reciprocal uh, uh, relationship. I in I'm in Christ, Christ in me. I'm in Christ, Christ in me. So if I am in the crucifixion, I'm also in the resurrection. And because his blood redeemed me, he owns me. Amen. Okay? Because he sacrificed himself for me. So this grace brings about, this level of grace brings about an ownership and a possession that he has of all believers. Amen. So if you say you belong to Christ, he owns you. Not like a tyrant, but like a loving father. And we come become a slave to what he wants because he loves us. This is not a tyrant who's telling us what to do. This is one who was an example for us of what to do. And he shed his blood. No greater love than this. John 15, 13, I believe. No greater love than this than one man should give his life for his friends. He gave his life. He said, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends because you know where I'm going and what I'm doing. So when you ask questions like, I don't know what God wants me to do. Yes, you do. Or you should. You read this Bible, he tell you. It's not as complicated as you think. You're looking for the flash in the pan thing most of the time. Look for the mundane thing of how you ought to live out your day-to-day -day life. And you can live out your day-to-day -day life and glorify God without a flash in the pan moment. It's your consistency in your day-to-day -day character that determines if you're walking by the Spirit. Not if you're floating around the church on cloud 20. Okay, that is not, that is not walking by the Spirit. That could be walking by another Spirit, but that ain't walking by the Spirit. Okay? God talk about fruit. He said fruit that abides, right? And, and one of the groups I'm taking through John again, I'm going, this is about the seventh time I'm going through John. I'm getting, it's getting better and better every time I go through it. And he talked about the fruit that abides. He said, if, if I abide in you and you abide in me, we'll produce much fruit. Much fruit. And you have to abide in my word. So, so the, you have to abide in his word to produce the fruit. And if you abide in his word, then you obey his word. Then he says, the way you love me by obeying my word. So loving him through his word is a commandment that he gives us so that it'll keep us attached to the true vine. At the top of that chapter, it says, I'm the true vine. And we're the branches and the branches can't do nothing without the true vine. So I can't do anything. So what Paul is saying, that life that I have attached to this true vine. 
I can't do anything unless I'm attached to him. And because he died, I died. And because he is raised, I am raised. And now my life is in him and his life is in me. Okay. Next verse. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So now we have the, how we live. We don't live by flesh. We don't live by law. We, we've dead to law. We're alive in Christ. And we live our, our life by faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when you live under the law and under the flesh and under the rules and under the regulations, you're not living by faith. But it doesn't mean that the rules and regulations are good or bad. They're not bad. They're good if they're given by God. But God says, I want you to live because you love me, not because you have to. I want you to appreciate what I've done for you. So it's easy to do stuff under appreciation. That's why we call it love. Husbands and wives, we serve each other because we love each other. We appreciate each other. Girlfriend, boyfriend might not might not might not be so well because we feel like we got to we learn to. But when you love somebody, it comes easy. Actually, it comes easy to serve when you love somebody. Okay, so he said that we don't live. We look. We uh, he loved me, and he gave himself for me. That came first. He loved us first. He said, "I didn't choose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you." And he knew you before the foundation of the earth. And him, and he loved us so much, <coughs> excuse me, that he was going to sacrifice himself for us. Those who didn't love him, those who hated him, those who didn't understand, but would understand through his sacrifice. Some people can't see God until they understand the sacrifice. That's why we give them the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I was talking to one of the students the other day, and they were in a certain situation. And this person is really going to be a great winner Christ for Christ because they already have influence in the natural world. And they were in a situation where they were at a party this weekend, and they were talking to a bunch of young ladies. And the ladies were talking lady talk, talking about their problems, talking about their kids, talking about their guys. And they were all talking about their suffering, okay? So she listened intently because she's that kind of a good listener. And she said, Pastor, what I did was I, I saw the spirits on them. And, you know, I, you know, I listened to that. I'm like, okay, well. She saw these spirits of, 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 of stuff on them. And this one lady said that she hearing voices that tell her do bad things. And I said, okay. So then, then, I, then she said, I prayed for them. And I said, oh, okay. I said, what did you pray? She said, I prayed that they may believe. Amen. And I said, oh, okay. I said, but you missed something. I said, let me ask you something. I say, if God puts you in the position to pray for them and they're unbelievers and you know it, why wouldn't God put you in the position to give them the gospel so they can't believe? You did the end thing before you did the beginning thing. You left that up to somebody else, but God don't put you there just to pray for them to believe. He puts you there to give them the gospel. But see, the gospel is hard because the first thing you got to do before you go into the salvation, before you go into the raising, you got to get them to admit that they sinner so they can die. And that's the part we don't like. We'd rather pray for you and, and pat you in the back and tell you how much God going to bless you. But we'll never tell you that you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell. See, all that had to be done, I said, and that takes courage and an and, and ability to be able to present the gospel. And that comes with it, practicing time. 
I said, what you should have done was run right out to your car. And I had you circle certain scriptures in John and came back in. Now you didn't listen to them. Now they need to listen to you. And they would have listened to you because all of them wanted to talk to you. And you should have gave them the gospel. Then put your hands on them and prayed for them. I said, because the problem with the person that got the voices is, is demonic. So they need to be saved. Everything wrong with you. And I'm telling y'all this. This is so simple. Everything that's wrong in your life, the root is in sin. The root is in sin. You might not want to admit it. You ain't might want to face it, but that ain't my problem. That's what God say. If we all have sinned and fall short of the glory, that means all our problems have to be in sin. Unrepentive, unrecognized, won't admit to it, sin. And that's the problem. We don't want to admit that we as dirty as we are. But Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. And God used him to start churches because he was willing. Because he saw what he was up against. You got to make hell real. Let the scripture tell you what hell's about. And ask them, do they want to go there? But they say, we all fall short of the glory of God, but God gave us a way out through his son, Jesus Christ. And then you let the Holy Spirit teach you how to tell you what to say and bring over to your remembrance how to present the gospel to the people. And you'll be surprised. Even if she saved one person, what the Bible say? All heaven rejoice when one person saved. There are some people might be offended by what she said, but... I told her this, you planted the right seed and God said his word is not going to come back void. It may be three years from now, ten minutes from now, two weeks from now. That seed going to take hold if they still seeking God. And they're going to get saved by what you did by preaching the gospel. Yeah, I'm glad you loved them. I'm glad you rubbed their belly. I'm glad you rubbed their back and cried with them. That's, that's, oh, that's fantastic. But you were put there to give them the gospel. So you gave them hope of somebody else to come along. But what if nobody else will come along? What if that meeting was their last chance at receiving the gospel and the next day they was going to die? You never think about that because you always think you got tomorrow. But what did the Bible say? Today is the day for salvation. It's before you right now, not tomorrow. So as we go out before people, we have to talk, think like Paul. We are alive in Christ. He's alive to us. Go to the next verse. Verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. So what he's saying is, I ain't going to lose my power <laughs> chasing after the law because I'm not going to nullify the power of grace. But if you want to, you can go back to law, but you nullify the power of grace. Because if the power of grace, the law can save me, then Christ died in vain. He, the law was already here. If the law was meant to save me, it was already here. And trust me, if God knew of another way to save you that didn't include his son dying for you, don't you think he's got enough to let us do that versus what his son had to die for us? But from the time of Adam, God put a Band-Aid on, on transgression by first of all covering Adam and Eve with the skin of an animal, which means he had to kill and there was bloodshed. It was already predicted what we were going to end up doing. What was needed. But the blood at the Old Testament, you get to the point where the rituals, the shadows, the, all the rituals that's in the Old Testament were a shadow of what was needed in Jesus Christ to fulfill us having a Savior. And the Savior still had to die because the slain lamb had to be blemishless, blameless. Bulls and goats don't have a soul. Bulls and goats don't have a conscience. 
They go where you go. But it takes a man to be obedient to God, to be willing to sacrifice. He was truly man and truly God. And the man, God, gave up his life for us. That we don't have to live under law no more. So if, 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 if I give up the power of grace and fall back under law, I nullify the power. That means I weaken what is given to me to conquer and to, and to be victorious. Well, you say, well, it's even we got this, this thing where we, we think we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to tell people the truth and love. And we believe, oh, that law, you put no, 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 no. You, it ain't that you don't point out the wrong. But you point out the wrong and get it right. You don't spend too much time worried about the wrong. But you spend just as much time, if not more time, telling them you love God so much. Don't you want to do right? I can't. We know you can't. You got to surrender to Christ in you. <laughs> Just like you can't crucify yourself, you can't do right by yourself. You have to be guided by the surrendering of the Holy Spirit, and that's the act of the will. You have the you you have a will that God says you have to surrender to me. That's that water goes on within you every day. Do I surrender to the will of the Holy Spirit and what I know in the Word, or do I continue to walk? The way I want to walk, the way I want to. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we just do what we want to do because we just like the Jews. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And then what happens is we do what's right in our own eyes. Sometimes there's sometimes a penalty to pay. Sometimes we get away with it and God lets us see. Um, you ain't get away with it for real. But a lot of times what I find out when I go back to doing what I know to be wrong, there's a bigger price to pay that I can't see coming. And that's what the devil gets you to do. The devil gives you instantaneous gratification, and then the, the price will come later. That's why we don't worry about signs, wonders, and miracles, because signs, wonders, and miracles for the unbeliever. Okay? That's what the Bible say. And the devil can bring you false signs, wonders, and miracles, and a false sign and wonder and miracle looks just like the real thing. But by the time you realize that it's false, it's too late. Okay? It's too late. So let's go to chapter three. And we're just going to do a couple of verses in chapter three. I think we're just going to do, we're going to do, do verse one. You foolish Galatians, mm -hmm. who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Is that verse one? Yes. So who has stolen your joy? Who has come? And brought law to you that nullified the grace to you. That word bewitched is like noose and basically saying, who done made you stupid? That you done nullified the grace that God has given you. You have done what I just said that we should, that, should, that Christ died in vain. What you've done is who bewitched you to go back to something that you were really never a part of. And believing that you're going to be saved and they couldn't be saved by it. The yoke of the bondage of the law that the Judaizers were trying to put on them. And obviously they fell for it. Some of them fell for it. And Paul is saying, oh foolish Galatians, did I not portray, paint a picture that portray? Well, they wasn't there, but, but what he's saying is I demonstrated in words and painted a picture of Christ and him crucified on your behalf. And gave you the gospel, which is the power under God under salvation. And you believed upon it. By what? By faith. You believed in it by faith. Why? What, what, what is so attractive about 
being circumcised that you actually want to go back and mutilate your body. But, but see, what the problem is, we're not being asked to mutilate our body, but we're being asked to, to, to bring the law back into our lives, and, it, and, it's, and it, it, just, it just cuts off our power. The minute you bring law back into your life as a saint of God, as a grace-saved person, you nullify the power of God in your life. He, you're still saved. See, I ain't saved, but you, but you nullify the sanctification process and the power of the sanctification that's going on in you. Now it's a battle because not only he had to fight you, he got to he got to convince you that you don't need to follow the law. Okay, he put Christ before them. They understood. Verse two. This is the only thing I want to find out from you: Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So how did you receive it? By the works of the law or by hearing by faith? Faith come by hearing, hearing come by the word of God. How can the people hear lest this preacher be sent and give the gospel to the people? So how did they get it? They're not Jews, so they were not under the law. So how did they become to Christ? Through the painting of Christ and him crucified and by faith because they weren't there. So Paul is asking, how did you receive it? So that's the question we have to ask ourselves. When we start drifting back into law, how did you receive this grace? How did you receive this salvation? Was it by faith or was it by ritual? Was it by faith? Was it by denomination? Was it by faith? Was it by following some apostle, some preacher, some liar? How did you receive it? By the grace of God. Through faith in what he did on Calvary. Believing that what he said he accomplished uh, as far as regards to our sin is done. It's finished. There's no more sin work to be done. He, his blood redeemed us. And if you go back to law, you're saying his blood didn't work. That's what I mean by doing violence to the gospel. When you go back to law, you just said your blood don't even work. I need to do, I need to do something. Now you've made yourself God-like. You're taking on the role of God. Okay? Go to verse 2. Three. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So are you so dumb that you begun by the Spirit in faith that you will be protected by work? Perfected by work. Protected by work. Raised up by work. Edified by work. Do the works that we do edify us or do the works that we do is because we're edified? We go to the nursing home because we're blessed. We don't go to the nursing home to get blessed. We are a blessing. We're a walking blessing. We're a walking miracle. And we want to show the power of God inside of us to them. But we don't do it so God can pour into us. We do it because God has already completed us in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2 and 9 and 10. Y'all need to get that in your spirit. That you complete. The fullness of the Godhead dwelled in him. And that you are complete in him. It's only in him. When you step out of him, you go back to being incomplete. And that's when you fall into law. And that's when you fall prey to these pastors and these liars and these apostles and all these other people because they always going to have you doing something. In America, it always ends up with your pocketbook. It always, it may take a minute, but eventually they're going to get there and tell you, you know what? I know what the problem is. I know why you're not being, you're not getting the results. Well, I did everything you told me to do. You already fell out of grace when you did that, Okay. I know. You know one thing you need to do. 
You need to plant that what? Seed. Then they'll go read Malachi 3 to you. God want to open the heavens and pour out a blessing that you can't handle. Anybody in you shaking and quivering and you're like, where, where do I sign and how much do I need to write? And then they tell you, thank you very much for this blessing. You'll get yours in the mail. And next year's refund will come before you get blessed. But people fall for them people. Every day. They got, you have more people listening to them people than you listen to us. But the Bible tells us that, that people are not adhere to sound doctrine. They will raise up these teachers that they want to hear, tell them what they want to tell them what they want. Because if, if it's something that I have to practice, then I think I can do it. Just tell me what to do. But when you say it's already done and he done it and I have to figure out this relationship between me and what he done, that's a little bit harder because I got to humble myself to do that. Okay. Go to uh, Romans 6 and 4. We're almost done. Romans 6 and 4. Read that for you. 6, 4, and 5. Romans 6, 4, coming from the NASB. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So we walk in what? Newness of life. We were also what? Bear with him in the baptism unto what? Death. Y'all going to read what you just read again. Read that real slow. Therefore. Therefore. We have been buried with him. We have been buried with him. Through baptism into death. Through baptism into death. So we are baptized into death. Go ahead. So that as Christ was raised. So that as he was raised. From the dead. From the dead. Through the glory. Through the glory. Of the Father. Of the Father. So that we too. We too. Equal. We too. Might walk in newness of life. You can't walk in life unless you get raised again. And born again. You can't get the newness of life without the new birth. You can't become the new creature without being being baptized into his death. We have a symbiotic relationship, a vicarious relationship to his death. We were baptized into his death. Baptism means immersed into, put into. We were put into his death. That means we might have the newness of life. You can't get the, the life without the death. You can't get the death without the law. You can't get the law without God giving to us and pointing out our transgressions. So the law, when put against us, tells us that we are sinners and we need a savior. That's the gospel. Anything else, anything else, you, you, you short-circuiting it. Because you're scared. I get it. I don't want to tell people they're sinners. <laughs> you think I'm comfortable with that? No. But I know that I got to get them there. Because then if they don't go there, then you'll come to me and say stuff like this. Oh, they knew God. Hmm? How you know they know God? Because they said so. Is that how this work? That means we're wasting our time coming to church and studying his word. Because I don't see nowhere it says that they get to say I know God and because they said so. Where's their fruit? Where's the fruit? But see, we we want to we want to under the kindness of our heart, want to make our loved ones who are dying on our dead 
go to heaven because we want them to go there. And that ain't how this work. The question has to be to the living. Since they, you, they was your loved one and your friend and your confidant, your buddy, your pal, your wife, your son, your daughter, your husband, did you give them the gospel? And if you didn't, why did you think somebody else did? Especially when they only say, I know God. Just think about that. Think about that. All right. Go to uh, Romans 4. 418. Read that. And we're going to wrap it up. 418 and 419. 418. In hope against hope. We believe so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay. So what Paul is getting ready to do from this point forward after we get through the questions that he gives, he gives six questions in chapter three. He's going to use the experience of Abraham to show that we walk by faith and not by sight. He's going to use the obedience of Abraham to say he was saved and made righteous by his obedience and faith in God. Just like we, we are buried and raised. We have to believe that by faith. We wouldn't, we didn't get on the ground. We wasn't in the tomb, but we have to believe that by faith. And God says, if you believe that by faith, you are with me and I'm in you. So you just as I was buried 2000 years ago, you was buried then 2000 years ago. Just when I, when I was raised 2000 years ago, you were raised with me 2,000 years. And guess what? You're seated in heavenly places with me. You ain't there yet. But I always see you be there. I already see that you're going to be there. Okay? That's the prophetic. So what all I did was go into to, 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 to Romans. And then you go into Genesis and look at the story, too, of how Abraham was counted as righteousness. And what that Paul is going to use the account of Abraham in the next chapters all the way to for something and tell us the Abraham experience. Now watch this, and I'm going to say this, and then we're going to end. You never weigh truth by your experience. You don't have the right to put a microscope on truth. Truth microscopes your experience. And what I mean by that is, if my experience lines up with the truth, because the truth is judging my experience, then it is truth. But I can't, I don't have an experience and then try to shove truth into it. Okay? Truth is a microscope, our experiences. And we do have experiences with God. Everybody should have had, hopefully had some experience with God. And you weigh it against the scriptures, which is the truth. Does my experience match what God said in principle, indeed, somewhere? Or am I trying to fit my truth, which is no truth at all, into the truth? Like I talked to y'all the other day. You got a truth, you got the truth. And a truth is not a truth. A truth is just an opinion. So when you see these gurus that y'all listen to on TV, Oprah and all them talking about everybody got an a truth, she's a liar. Everybody got an opinion. There's only one the truth. And truth stands on its own. You don't need to be proved. If you a liar, that's not a truth. That's the truth. When Jesus said, fornicators, adulterers, liars, and thieves will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. I don't care how nice they are. That's the truth. That's the truth. I don't care what you tell me. I don't care how many churches they form. 
they going to hell. They don't have to. But they Romans 1, they exchanged the truth of God and hid it in what? Their unrighteousness. They know the truth, but they hide it in their unrighteousness. And they want to take as many people with them as they can. Just because there's more than them than there's us just talking loud don't mean that they got the truth. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the people. I thank you for letting us uncover and unpack this great truth of yours, that we were saved by grace through faith, which is not of our own, but a free gift from God. Gift from God to us, but your son worked and died for us, Lord. Thank God that you allowed us and graced us enough and let us be buried with you, that we may reign with you and be raised with you to the glory of God. Lord, we thank you today that we can decide today to follow you and not follow any, anyone else. Lord, we hear your voice and they're the stranger. We will not follow, Lord. So I just thank you for the ear to hear and the heart to understand and a mind that stayed on you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. For all the troubles that I go through, Lord, that did you in the midst with me, Lord. I thank you for the victories that you helped me win, Lord. I thank you for the troubles that you've seen me through, Father. And I thank you for the church that I'm in right now, Father God. You knew long ago that this day would come, Lord. And I just thank you for all those who are part of walking truth, oh, Father God, near and far. And all those brothers and sisters who truly call on the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I lift up the waiter's husband. Lord, I ask that you bless him and keep him and strengthen him and cure him. Lord, I ask for the strength of the Delk family and Sister Joyce that they may endure the time of their bereavement as they bury one of their own, oh, Father God. And Lord, if there's anything that we could do, Lord, let it be known and let us do it. Lord, I ask that you uh, look after Sister Venus, oh Lord, that she's having surgery today. Matter of fact, it's going on right now. Lord, guide the hands of the surgeons that they may do what they need to do, oh Father God. And bless everybody who's going through something that's in this body of Christ, Lord. If I forgot somebody, Lord, that called charge it up to my head and not my heart. Lord, I want to give them what they needed. Sister Nancy, thank you. Sister Nancy, Nancy's mom, who have the virus, Lord, let them not be symptomatic to the point where any of them have to go to the hospital, Father God. We're lifting them up in the name of Jesus, Lord. I want to lift up my sister-in-law. She asked to be put on the prayer list. Her name is Felicia. Lord, we asked her. She asked for her mental health to be taken care of by the God. And we know he's a mind regulator. Amen. So I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you mind regulate her and do what needs to be done. I pray for my nephew, Chris, oh, Father God, whose his allergies are subsiding. Lord, I pray for my new grandbaby that's on the way, oh, Father God. I pray that he or she is healthy, Lord, and that my daughter just has a very easy pregnancy, oh, Father God. So I thank you, God, that you allow me to even hear that I'm going to be a grandparent, oh, Father God. And, Lord, if you grant me something, let me be here long afterwards so I can help raise this child in the ammunition of the Lord. I didn't do mine, but I'm going to do this one, oh, Father God, if you allow me to. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you see you to give of good gifts. And you said that your word will come back void. And there's no greater gift that you can give me than let me try to raise one of my own blood into the name of Jesus, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you do not have a place of worship, please consider Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church your home. We are safe place to worship, supporting the edification of the body with all of its gifts. Sound biblical teaching is at the center of our worship as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Sharing the fruit of the Spirit and moving forward in faith through serving our community is our privilege and pleasure.
please feel free to contact the ministry at 636-344-0539 or email us at witminyahoo.com. Thank you for your consideration, be blessed, encouraged, and walk in the truth of the Lord.